0: Hi, I'm Susan Clark and I'm Chris Marie Campbell. Welcome to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. Have you ever wanted to take some of what you've learned on the podcast to the next level? Well, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering
1: the beauty in conflict. To learn more, go to www.thriveinc.com forward slash team kit. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T. Hi, I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we have Dr. Tracy Brower with us, who is a PhD sociologist studying work-life fulfillment and happiness. She is the author of The Secrets to Happiness at Work and Bring Work to Life, which both sound great. She is the Vice President of Workplace Insights for Steelcase and a contributor to Forbes.com and Fast Company. Her work has been translated into 19 languages, and you can find her at tracybrower.com, LinkedIn, or any of the usual social channels. So welcome, Tracy. We're excited. We're going to have this conversation with you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. You must be from the Midwest. Is that true? (laughs) Yes, it is. I know it's usually very apparent from my accent. I love it. I have warm connections with Midwest people. So that works for me. So what part? Is so that, you know, I can catch up. No, oh. I'm on the west
2: side of Michigan. So we're right on Lake Michigan. And it's just summer in Michigan is
0: incredible. I feel like West Michigan is a really well-kept secret. So it's pretty great. Pretty great summer. My brother-in-law has someplace... Very close to there that I hear about all the time. It's some secret place that their whole family goes to. I think it's called the PM or something. And it's like that, that you know, anyway, but, so I've always heard good things about that in the summer.
1: They go every summer. So. You'll have to
2: visit. You won't have to visit.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about your book, The Secrets to Happiness at Work, which is your newest book. Is that true, Tracy?
2: Yes, absolutely. And did I draw the long straw in researching happiness? It's yes. like the topic of the day, the best topic to talk about. Well, <laughs> who
1: doesn't want to be more happy? I think that's our quest. It's pursuit of happiness. It's in our constitution. Okay.
0: Okay. So I'll be the contrarian. Here. <laughs> I am always the person who's like, sometimes I am like, happiness can be a setup for people because sometimes you're not happy. And it is kind of like trying to ascribe to happiness. If you're doing that at the expense of
1: what you feel, what
0: you really feel, and then it can be a trick word, I think, for people. So awesome. would be, and based on some of the other things you shared with us, I think you know that, but we'll, we'll um, you know, why don't
1: you define yes. your version of happiness and tell us about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I
2: think it's really super relevant also to talk about some of the myths of happiness. Like yes. it's a myth and we have to be happy all the time. And if we're doing it right, we're bonbons and butterflies. But in reality, our levels of happiness will ebb and flow. And we can still have an overall sense of joy and contentment, even if we have ups and downs. So I think that's really, really important. The other thing that's really interesting, statistically, if you pursue happiness for its own sake, which we're frequently told to do, then you actually end up being less happy. And it's better to create the conditions for happiness. And we can talk about what those things are, but it really is important to kind of think about that bigger picture and give ourselves permission to be down sometimes, to avoid toxic positivity, but also to empower ourselves to create those best conditions for joy, satisfaction, happiness. I love that.
0: I mean, that's kind of in the alignment of almost anything. If all you're going out for is an end result, you miss probably the most fundamental part is the process. And in this case, the conditions in which we'll build happiness on an ongoing basis, not something to reach happiness. So I mean, I'm it's not not
1: pressure to be happy all the time. It, yeah. Like I would be like, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing it right. I've got to try harder.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Exactly. There's another myth I like to think about is
2: kind of the myth of choice. Like we feel like if we make the right choice, we'll always be happy. Choose the right job, choose the right partner, choose the right place to live. But any choice that we make is really a set of conditions. There'll be things that we love about our job and the things, yeah, you know, not so much. So I think we need to be realistic and not put pressure on ourselves or be judgy toward ourselves about, oh, am I happy enough? Also, the more we focus on happiness, am I happy? Am I happy? Am I happy now? Am I happy later? Am I happy enough? That actually tends to detract as well. So it's just really smart. Everything in moderation, right? Including yeah, it.
0: because it's also like happiness. I love that last one. If you're thinking about it all the time, that's actually not a part of happiness. Not <laughs> that's not right. obsessing that exactly about
2: right. it. Right. That's exactly right. It's sort of like mindfulness too. Am I meditating? Am I doing it right? Am I mindful? A lot of times, when we remove ourselves from that level of vigilance, it's actually really helpful.
0: But I think about, we have a friend who's a really great yoga instructor, but she's always joke about how she would, she must have gotten like three speeding tickets trying to get to her to, to yoga. yoga class. <laughs> and she would be like in front of the judge or whatever
1: and sort of like, oh my, I hate to tell you where I was going. <laughs> it's just something. Hey, hurry up and relax. Yeah. You know. That was another thing. Somebody was, I forget, he's famous probably for setting brainwaves and he was trying to get to alpha. So we are in oh. beta, you know, but he's trying to get to alpha, which is more meditative, calm creative, internal. And he's trying, trying, trying. And then finally, he's like, forget it. And, and of course, his brain went into alpha when he surrendered <laughs> the try. So Yes, exactly. And that actually reminds me, there's some really great research about
2: nature. And you've seen this too, right? The power of nature. And nature is significantly correlated with happiness, partly because it reminds us of that level of surrender. We are small in relationship to something big. It tends to reduce blood flow to the part of our brain that's thinking about how we're perceived and how we're perceiving others. And so that surrender idea is a really, really big one in terms
0: of how we can reach that greater level. And nature can be humbling too, which is another thing that I
1: think happiness thinks. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. So are there other myths that you want to share? Or love we'd that. love to hear the conditions too. So either way. Yeah.
2: Word. You know, one other myth that I actually think is super relevant is just the myth of empowerment. I think of it as the silver platter myth. Like when all the conditions are right, when the silver platter is presented to me and I pull the top off and everything is right, then I'll shall be happy. I get through this tough project or I get through this tough thing in life or I get through this tough. Still in the blank, then like, I can be happy. And in reality, we can be happy in the midst of lots of different situations. And we're absolutely empowered to create the conditions for those versus kind of waiting around for somebody else or waiting around for the world to be just right. There's so much going on right now, right? It's a polarized world. It's a difficult world. There's so many stressors outside of us. And so for us to really kind of empower ourselves and remind ourselves of all that we can do, that is really good, not just for happiness, but also for mental health
1: and overall well-being. And we can talk about what those are, of course. I really think that's true because I'll be okay once I get through this project. And then the project ends. I'm cresting and ending and I'm like, but now what about this? And our brain has that natural scanning for the next danger, our limbic system. And so no wonder versus, okay, right now I am physically safe right now. Everything's going on. This is a nice temperature. I like you. Like we could be happy and present right here. <laughs> what a concept. I know.
2: Okay, how about the condition? Yeah, well, there are five big ones that I like to point to. And you actually, in your last comments, pointed to a couple of them already. One that's super correlated with happiness is gratitude. Like just being really conscious and grateful for things around us. A lot of times that's less about things and it's more about people and situations and our own capabilities. So gratitude, that conscious, like wake up in the morning, think about what we're grateful for.
0: Go to bed at night, think about what we're grateful for. I think of this recent thing I saw on LinkedIn that that, is still every morning. I think of. it was someone wrote about their little daughter would wake up in the morning and be like. Wow, mommy, I woke up today. And it was, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've had that because it comes to my mind. I could just see this little image of this little girl going, wow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In fact, I always like to think about.
2: I always say, jokingly and seriously, low expectations are the key to happiness. Right? Like, oh, that's like, good. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Dr. Suzuki is a well-known Japanese teacher of the Suzuki method of violin, and one of the lessons from Dr. Suzuki was to have an absence of expectation, and that was the idea that every child could be musical. Every child. Could learn. And there's this beautiful story where he was teaching a little girl who only had one arm to play the violin. And he was figuring out how to make that happen for her, along with her and the creativity that came from that. But it's the absence of expectation in a really positive way that says, I woke up this morning. Yeah. Or, I can play violin even if I, we have, you know, one arm. So how can we think about sort of that gratitude for all of the things, even if they betray some of the traditional expectations of life? So that gratitude is a really big one. And the other one that you were pointing to, you said, you know, we're always kind of looking for that next challenge. And sometimes it's human nature to think, oh, this is the thing that needs to get fixed next. And actually challenge and stretch are super correlated with happiness. We tend to think, oh, I want to sit on the deck and read my book, or I want to just relax, or I want to, you know, bonbons all day long. But actually when we're challenged, when we're struggling, when we're sweating, either literally or figuratively, when we're trying the next thing, when we're rolling up our sleeves, that is actually a really big deal in terms of reminding us of what we can do of pushing ourselves that that push is often super correlated with happiness and it's the goldilocks rule right like if we're pushed too hard all the time that can be actually negative but if, if we're also not pushed enough that's also negative so the best is that condition of eustress yes exactly yeah. kind of that middle part of a normative curve right or a normative distribution that eustress where we have just enough
1: kind of pushing us and challenging us that keeps us motivated and engaged. I think that's often why when people retire and they no longer have a purpose, oh, yeah. they think, oh great, I'm going to, but it's that same deck reading the book or okay, now what? And they disengage. And I think it was Boeing collected data, like two years after people retired, they died. Yeah. Like, huge. So I do think being engaged and having purpose and I love that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that's one of the dangers right now of quiet quitting
2: and the whole narrative about less is more and work is bad. And I mean, work is a really important place that we get that opportunity for stretch and to contribute our talents and capabilities and try the new saying and go outside of our comfort zone in safe ways. Those are really good things. So yeah. it's okay. a really good point. Number three, we've got gratitude and challenge and stretch. You just said another one is purpose. Like oh, feeling wow. a sense of purpose is a really, really big deal, right? And purpose is three things. Purpose is kind of that sense that there's something bigger than you outside of yourself. So you're, you know, building a castle, not just laying bricks. Purpose is also about feeling like we can make a unique contribution to that. Like, yeah, there's a castle to build and I have something unique that I can bring to that process, to that Challenge to that opportunity, and then thirdly, um, purpose is really most powerful when it's about other people. Service. I'll sign up for fifteen percent annualized growth. I'm a good corporate citizen. We're all, you know, willing to sign up to do the right thing for our organizations, right? But the thing that will really get us out of bed is thinking about how our work. Contributes to people, real human beings who are affected by what we're doing. So, purpose is frequently associated not just with happiness, but with better well being, with better mental health, with feeling like we have that kind of broader world that we're connected to and that opportunity to contribute our gifts to it. That's a very big deal.
1: It is. I think about how we think the car, the house is going to do it, but it's really never what we really care about is mattering and being connected to each other. We don't think that. Yes. But I get that. Okay, number. Yes, four.
2: and it's like we rehearsed. It's like we. Re- you said we want to matter and we want to be important to each other, and that is another element of happiness. With blinking neon lights, is connection, like okay, we're nice. really feeling connected to community. And we tend to we love independence and autonomy, and we value that in our culture. And really feeling obligated to others feeling responsibility to a community knowing that we need to wake up in the morning because somebody else needs something from us is really really associated with happiness and one of the things that happens we talked about if we pursue happiness for its own sake that can create less level of happiness for us and actually that has to do with also because we're focusing on ourselves and when we focus on ourselves that's negatively correlated with happiness when we focus on others, when we focus on the community, when we focus on what we are obligated to each other for, that's a really big deal
1: in terms of a level of joy and satisfaction. Wow, that's really neat. I think that can kind of be missed. I, You know, like, oh, I've got to work on me versus wait, how am I actually helping you? And mm-hmm. I think said it like being of service, when I get kind of despairing about work or something, I'm like, wait a minute, I can be of service. How can I be of service? And that kind of inspires me back. Yes, exactly, exactly. And we want to be healthy about it,
2: right? We don't want to veer into codependence or something like that. And we want to manage our boundaries and have a level of confidence and selfhood and know that we matter to our community and that there's something we can do to help others. That's very
1: neat. Okay, so gratitude, challenge and stretch, sense of purpose is three, connected to community. What's five? That was four. Another one is performance.
2: Like when we are performing really well, we tend to have a greater level of esteem and a greater level of happiness. So I think this is interestingly related to stretch, right? We want some overlap between those. Think about, you know, the old Venn diagram. We want to do things that we're good at doing. We want to find the things that energize us and that we therefore are good at doing. At the same time, we're finding things that we aren't yet good at doing. So that performance piece, and I always like to think about happiness in terms of both agency and structure, both of those things. Agency is, I'm empowered, I can create the conditions for happiness, I have an ownership for my own happiness. Structure is more the systems that surround us, right? It's our organization, it's our leaders, it's our society, it's our community. And so organizations can also help create the conditions for happiness through all of these kinds of things. But also in terms of providing challenging work and us raising our hand for challenging work or the new problem that we want to solve or the initiative we want to take.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I get the yeah. learning and also, oh, I'm doing it well. Look at me. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. There's a really fun, it's called the 15% rule,
2: and it's related to failure. If you fail 15% of the time, that tends to be the sweet spot for motivation. If what? you fail more than that, you might be like, this maybe isn't my game. I gotta find it, I gotta find something different. And if you fail less than 15% of the time, you might be like, oh. I kind of I've got this one. I'm going to move on to the next challenge. So, I love that.
1: That's, I have kind like. a
2: fun
0: concept. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's fabulous. Okay, so I love where we've gone so far. I want to talk about your comments and your psychological safety with discomfort so give us a frame around that how do you because a psychological safety to me has become a bit of a buzzword and i'm kind of like everybody just uses it to describe trust uh, yeah so and (laughs) and and, uh, i actually am like well safety is a mental construct so it's kind of tricky to actually be able to create safety so i'm curious how you Defining, yeah, yeah, I love it.
2: I love the challenge. That's really good, and I agree with you, actually. Which may be less fun, right? if me. <laughs> oh no, no, uh, it's okay if you challenge. Challenge is That's good, right? Process. We love that. We love disagreement and dialogue and debate. But yeah, the thing that has become such a buzzword, to your point, is psychological safety, and I think we can think about psychological safety and comfort and discomfort separately, like they are different concepts. And, you know, any good sociologist can put something on a two by two, right? So think of a two by two. If we have high levels of psychological safety, high, medium, low, I've got a high level of psychological safety. And then on the horizontal axis, maybe I have comfort and discomfort. The ideal is if I have a high level of psychological safety and a level of discomfort that keeps me thinking, keeps me trying, keeps me testing, keeps me innovating. And ironically, the more psychological safety I have, the more I feel comfortable taking appropriate risks, right? Like if I don't feel safe, then it's hard to take a risk. And I might sort of power or hide, but if I feel like my team's got my back, I feel like I'm respected, I feel like I can kind of bring my whole self complete with my, you know, idiosyncrasies or my eccentricities within reason, then I also will feel more comfortable with discomfort and therefore with risk and innovation and challenge that can arise from that. So I don't know how does it jive with how you
1: think about it. Can I just make sure I've got the chart right? Because I'm drawing out my piece of paper. So the x-axis is high at the top of the x axis, is high psychological safety down to low. And on the horizontal or the y-axis is comfort on close to the x-axis and discomfort. So you want to get into that far, that far away quadrant, high psychological safety, meaning I could be my whole self. Yes, I can look foolish. And I know you guys have my back, which will encourage me to be like, I'm going to take a risk here. I feel really scared, but I'm going to say the tough stuff or I'm going to take on this project or I'm going to innovate. I like that. Exactly. Exactly. And we don't want constant discomfort. There's that, again, there's
2: that level of appropriateness in terms of, yeah, I can take the risk. I feel confident
0: to be courageous. Yeah. I think about, now this is a different little square, but has more to do with the idea of in the here and now is the best place for learning. Like right here, right now with the people in the room. So it's kind of like, that's actually considered to be on the learning curve but you are uncomfortable. So it fits very nicely with what you're talking about. In this particular model, they talk about in the other quadrants, because I think one is time, now versus then, and then the people, people that aren't here. So therapy is down in the far corner, it can be good, but it's not in the here and now, it's actually a learning place, but it's not related to the people you're working with necessarily in the same way. Versus- laughing yes, I love and, that. And then the other one is you can clear things up, but if you do it historically, you know, that's like here, these are the people that are here, but it was then. And you want to move it into the here and now, which is where that discomfort comes into play because there and then it's usually one-on-one and it's a little more comfortable for people. Still good, but maybe not as great as when you're actually able to do it in the moment. Yeah, I love that. Oh yeah. That's
2: really interesting. I think about that related to growth mindset. Growth mindset says for the future, I know I can do it differently, but I'm in the present, knowing how I'm reflecting on what I did, maybe that I could have done better. And in the present, I'm going to build my skills and step out and try something new so that in the future, I may be more prepared for it. So it's both that here and now and that orientation toward the future. That's really good. Yeah. And I do,
1: you know, you're. it's really having some container so I know that I can fail, whether it's that 15% or Cause I think we're social beings. We want to belong to the tribe. And if I look like a complete fool, you're going to ostracize me is kind of like, no. But if I know you have my back and if I stumble, you'll pick me up. But that's really neat. Yeah.
2: And yeah, Um, I love your point. And we need to create those cultures, right? Where we're supporting each other as colleagues, where leaders are supporting people. You know, a lot of times leaders will say, I want your groundbreaking ideas. I want your really, really interesting, innovative ideas. I want you to take risks. But then that leader and those colleagues have to be willing to back us up and, you know, go to the wall Uh, with us and tell us when we have spinach on
0: our teeth, right? Yeah. That's not. not a great idea, but I still love that you gave it to me. I always your great ideas that are really work. In a bus. Yes,
2: exactly, exactly. I was talking about Suzuki violin a little while ago, and our children both took Suzuki violin lessons, and I told them they had to take those lessons until they were 18. So when they were 11 and 7, they came to us and said, between the two of us, we're 18. Can we stop them around? <laughs> my I said, I love your creativity. That is brilliant. The answer is still
0: no, but I love it. <laughs> Right. That's great. So another one, we wanted to, the value of pushing back and the challenging and constructive
1: disagreements. So, you know, for learning and innovation yeah. growth.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes
2: we shy away from disagreement and we shy away from debate and Either we don't feel comfortable with it or we don't feel like we've got the skills for it or the culture doesn't welcome it. And I just think there's huge opportunity there. And I know you all are on the same page too, right? We can learn so much more from each other when we are disagreeing and when we create situations where it's safe to disagree. And I always think that Pushing back makes us better because it helps us think about our own thinking. It helps others think about their thinking. And I always think it's so critical that we're pushing back on ideas and concepts and potential solutions and understanding of the problem. And we're ultimately and utterly respectful of each other and where we're coming from, right? And I feel like there's a confidence aspect to it too. Like the more confident I am in my ideas and my selfhood, The more I can kind of open myself up and say, all right, push back on me, help me think about this in new ways. So, that debate, that dialogue, that discussion are so important for our learning. And the thing I think too is like one of the things we know statistically is that younger people are more risk averse. If we look at the generations over time, 20 year olds 30 years ago were less risk averse than 20 year olds are today for lots of different reasons. And I just worry that if we're too risk averse, we won't be able to innovate as a society. Like when you think about innovation, it comes from the whispers. It comes from the situation where you, you know, you kind of nudge somebody on the elbow and say, what do you think about this? Do you think this is kind of the way it should be? Or do you think about it differently? We've got to have that place where we can disagree in order to move to the next together.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and I think one of the things you tapped into, even talking about the younger generations being more risk-averse, I mean that is actually one of the biggest challenges, I think, around this idea that you have to create psychological safety to get there. Cause I think if people can become more comfortable with their own discomfort, which I think is what you were talking about, and know that that is actually a place of safety. It's normal, it's relational. So I think where we get caught is that there's a right, wrong way to do this. And so then people figure out, okay, I've got to get it right because then it's safe for other people, it's safe for me. And that's just totally- Well, it's kind of like trying to be happy. (laughs) You know, there's no way you can be right. But if you feel good inside yourself and you show up, you'll notice when you've kind of overstepped, Or you've done something that was like, well, obviously you look different than I expected you to look with (laughs) what I said. So what's going on? You know, I think when people can get to the place inside themselves where they know it's going to be uncomfortable or stressful or they don't have the right idea. It's increasing
1: what Rick Hansen calls distress tolerance. That ability like knowing I'm going to be uncomfortable.
2: Yes, yes, I love that. And I think it's so much about our willingness to be uncomfortable when we know we won't say it right or do it right. And I think it's our willingness to be uncomfortable when the people around us are imperfect, right? Yeah. To invite the debate and invite the dialogue. We have got to be ready for people to be less than what we wanted them to be. I had this conversation with, with a friend just recently. We're really, really close friends, and we have this really, really tough conversation. And I was saying things that were making her really uncomfortable, and she was saying things that were making me really uncomfortable. But the fact that we had this foundation of trust and respect, and I'm sure she was thinking, Oh my gosh, what is she saying? And I was thinking, Oh my gosh, what is she saying? But there was space in the relationship to be wrong and to be incorrect and to be, I don't know, less than a messy. Or less, messy, or less than messy each other, right?
0: Yes.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, I think that's so important. And I think that's important for leaders specifically to not expect like, oh my gosh, my people are like, they can lose face so quickly. And it's like, hey, you got to let them learn and stumble and fall and sound stupid. And, you know, yes, you know, exactly. Well, if you had to say anything to our listeners, I love the myths that you shared, the five conditions, gratitude, challenge and stretch three sense of purpose connected to community four, and performance five. Anything else, though, that you want to leave our listeners with about their happiness? Yeah, I think we have an
2: opportunity to rethink our narrative around work. Like, I just really worry about how negative we are toward work right now, right? And there's so much that we need to improve. And not all work situations are ideal, But you know what? It's still the process of work, the way that we express our talents and make contributions. Our work is still an important part of that. And so I want us to hold out hope. Like I want us to look to influence others, to influence our organizations, to kind of empower ourselves toward that opportunity to be happy at work. Because I really think we can get there. And the fact that we're so conscious of it, the fact that we know it's not working perfectly today are actually really great impetuses for us to move forward in positive directions. So I want us to hold out hope for work and the experience of work. I
1: that's think it's really good because I think what you're even addressing is the younger generation who are some more risk adverse, wanting hey, can you make it safe for me so that I can be okay versus cultivating that inner sense of I'm okay with the ebbs and the flows, which is what it sounds like we started with.
0: I do think too, I do think the younger generation has a push not to just have it be about our company needs to be number one. And that is a whole different, you know, capitalism shouldn't be the only thing that matters. And I do think that's actually, when you associate work with capitalism, you can get yourself into a you know, and how do you actually, yes, profit is important, and this is important. And that's a tricky thing. Well, uh, that to goes balance. to your sense of purpose and yep. connection,
1: and yes, betters other human yep. beings.
0: Yes. And not all work is paid work,
2: right? Like when we're doing volunteer work, when we're working in our community, any of those elements of work are a big deal. And I think the other thing is the way we show up, we have such an influence on other people, no matter what our role is in the hierarchy. No matter whether we're inside work or outside of work, we've got a huge influence. So really, you know, when we are respectful toward each other, when we ask other people for their opinions, when we appreciate others, when we express gratitude, those all are really, really positive in terms of having the kinds of
1: effects we want for the organizations we want to work for. That's yes. true. I think people minimize, well, oh, I'm only a project manager, so I don't have an impact versus, no, you actually do. Everybody you come in contact with. So that's <laughs> right. I love that, leaving that on the last note.
0: You can have an influence wherever you are in your organization or whatever kind of work you do. Yeah. So also let people know how they can reach you or if there's something you're doing that you want people to know about, this is a great opportunity to share that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: I work for Steelcase. Steelcase.com is a great resource. You can also check out Tracy Brower.com. My newest book is The Secrets to Happiness at Work, and it's available wherever books are sold. And you can look me up on all the social channels. So thank you for asking.
1: Yes. Thank, thank you, you for you. coming, Tracy. It's delightful. I feel very happy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad.
0: Thanks for having me. <laughs> you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, a lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www. T H R I B E I N C dot C O M forward slash S P E A K U P.